morning, brothers and sisters in Down Under. <laughs> it's really great for my wife, Linda, and me to be here. We came here on the invitation of Peter for the Bible school this week. And uh, when we entered here and uh, we met one of the elders, uh, the unity that you have in the spirit is just wonderful. Isn't it a worldwide family? United in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we came on the driveway, I saw Jesus Christ, Hebrews 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus. And that's what we have in common. And this is wonderful uh, to be a part of. I'm so thankful to be a believer. I came to the Lord 42 years ago. I was 21 then, so you know now exactly how old I am. <laughs> I was born in Holland. I grew up in a, in a big family. Uh, my parents immigrated in 1963 from Holland to Brazil, not to Australia, but to Brazil. And so my youth was a little bit mixed up because everything changed, but we didn't make it. And two years later, my parents returned back to Holland. So afterwards, my father was totally broke, no money. We had gone through so many storms in Brazil. Uh, my youth was working to get the family up again. So until the age of 21, I was working with my father. And at the age of 21, I started to travel the world. It was in the time of the hippies. <laughs> in those days, you had long hair. <laughs> now I have more face. <laughs> but uh, I, I, my mother is partly Jewish. So one way to get out of the circumstances was to go to Israel. And I... I came to Israel in 1973, and I was only there three weeks working in a kibbutz when the war came, the Yom Kippur War. And in that war, it made a deep impression how short life can be, and uh, I went through many adventures myself. And after the war, I went for the first time to the desert. And I'd never been to the desert in my life, of course, and i never seen such a beautiful starry night and I was all alone and built a hut in the desert and I was building my hut I emptied my backpack and under in my backpack there was a small bible and the first thing I thought I didn't put that bible there my mother put it there and uh, so it was the bible as with the bank it serves you better when it's open <laughs> I had that Bible already nine years, but never read in it. Every child, when they were 12, they received a Bible, a small Bible. And I never read in it, but there was nobody around, and I was all alone in the desert. And, and, and I was seeking God, I know it. Uh, and his eyes are going through the world to, to, to find the, the, the lost, really. And I started to read the Word of God, and... I, I started to read the life of the Lord Jesus, and I thought, wow, he's a super hippie. <laughs> if the people would be like him, we would, we would live in a different world. And uh, then I came to the cross. Uh, it was the right time for me also, because, because I started to wonder, why am I here? What is the purpose of my life? What happens to me when I die? And all those questions were wavering through my heart. And then I started to read the life of the Lord Jesus, and then I came to the cross. And I realized that the Lord Jesus died not for himself, but for us. And I knew that I have to make a decision. 
But I also knew when I make the decision, this will have consequences. I will live no longer for myself, but for him who died and rose again. That came to me very strongly that, okay, he died for me, but when I receive him, I shall live for him. And that was a struggle because, you know, <laughs> you want to live and do your own thing. But um, his love won. And I received the Lord Jesus Christ, and the great miracle happened. He received me, and I was born again. Uh, for the next 33 years, I served in Israel. I saw the church growing. When I came to the Lord, there were only 300 Jewish believers, but uh, now it's thousands. And uh, uh, there is a remnant in Israel, and I've seen... The Russian Jews coming, more than a million. I've seen the Ethiopian Jews coming, the Jews from Yemen, from, from all parts of the world. And, and, and in a wonderful way, God supplied Bibles to give to them and to tell them about their roots. And so it's been a wonderful life. When I was 50, my parents, I come from a family of nine children and one pair of parents, <laughs> they gave me a birthday. Because I was always in the desert or traveling, so they gave me a birthday party when I became 50. And the father of Linda was there, and the father told me that her youngest daughter had become a widow. Now, he didn't know that when I was 16 and later 22, I, 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 I was really fond of her. I, I really loved her character and, and her way of, uh, of looking into the world. And, and even later, when I gave my testimony in the Salvation Army, she was there with two little girls already married. And we had a conversation, and, and, and she also had a heart for God. And, and so she had touched my heart. And I hadn't seen her for so many years. So when I heard that she became a widow, but that her husband through a message from the television, two weeks before he died, had been born again as well, so that he had gone home to be with the Lord. And so I asked her if I could phone her and condolence her. Well, this one phone call <laughs> became a visit, and the old love came back. And so uh, it was a bit of a struggle for me to get married because I thought, oh, <laughs> can I do this? No, I can't, <laughs> but he can. <laughs> Amen. And so at the age of 54, we got married. So it's already 10 years ago. And I, I never forgot. One day I was married and we got a phone call. One of her daughters uh, received a baby. <laughs> so I was watching that baby and then walking through the corridors, and I, I just said to a nurse, I became a grandfather. <laughs> and so she said, so what? You're an old man, aren't you? <laughs> I said, yeah, but I only married yesterday. <laughs> so I have quite some stories, but uh, God is good. Amen? There's a saying in, uh, in, in Africa, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Oh, it's even an Australian saying, so that's good. Um, no, I'm so delighted to be, to be one of his children. And like Paul, the first time he shares his testimony, he says, I was on my way to Damascus, I saw a light. Later he says, I was on my way to Damascus, I saw a bright light. And finally he said, 
I was on my way to Damascus and I saw a light brighter than the sun. His, his estimation of the Lord Jesus grew. And in Scotland, I learned a, a lovely short sentence. The longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. And it's so true. I've never loved the Lord Jesus so much as I love him today. He's so precious to me. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful to be his beloved child. And no one can take it away. And he has been carrying me through life. Uh, half a year, no, a year ago, I, I started to have a desire to write down some, some stories of my life. And I met a brother from England, Graham. And he, he was giving a message, the most beautiful life on earth. And that was his message. I don't remember his message, but I remember the, the topic, the most beautiful life on earth. And that's how I called my little book. I hope in a few weeks to send it to you so you can read it. But it's so true that the most beautiful life on earth, that's what you want all the people to have. And we owe the world this good news. So right before we left to Australia, have you got that when you, when you are leaving to a certain place, those last days, it's like everything is happening. There is so much you still have to round up. One of the things that came on the last week that we were in Holland, before we left to Australia, it was a funeral of a precious sister. And, and, and I have not forgotten that message. And one of the things that she, she spent her time in, in the last month of her life, was in the letter of Paul to the Romans. And so here I have maybe one, one challenge, one chance to, to, to serve you. And uh, I could not walk away from the letter of Romans. And please, dear brothers and sisters, I have only one chance. If I want to give you an advice, read the book of Romans. Read the letter to the Romans. Because you want to experience the full gospel that's in the letter of Paul to the Romans. Every chapter will add to your faith. The full gospel is in the letter of Paul to the Romans. Uh, and and um, it's, it's, it's a letter of, of questions with answers. And um, renewed, I am reading it. And uh, it, it becomes richer and richer. Let's just open up in in the letter of Paul to the Romans. And uh, just look at verse 1. Uh, of course, I, I, I want to whet your appetite <laughs> and, um, and leave you with it. And uh, so I, I hope to do that with God's help. Shall I just pray now? Father, I thank you so much for bringing my wife and me here. And my father, I pray that uh, the little devotion that we will look into from this precious letter will touch hearts that my brothers and sisters will start to take time to go slowly but surely through this letter again and enjoy the riches that you died for them but also that we died with you, Lord Jesus, into a total new life, a new power, Lord, a new dimension. And Lord, I just pray that you will have your way this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Romans 1.1, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. Uh, two things about this first verse. 
He calls himself a bond slave. You're always a slave. You're either a slave to sin or a slave to yourself, a slave to people, or you're a slave to Jesus Christ. And when you are a slave of Jesus Christ, that's when you will be free. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is the only one that can set you free. How can a slave be free? Well, you can read that in Exodus 21. Uh, after six, days, six years of service, the slave had an opportunity to be free. But when the slave loved his master, he continued to be a slave out of free will. And he got a pierced ear and he says, I want to be my master's slave because I love my master. I am his property. He is, he is mine and I am his. And, and this is the condition of a believer. I am a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. He owns me. He, he is my, my Lord. He is my everything. And I obey him whatever he asks of me. That's the normal Christian life, to be his slave. And then he says, the gospel of God. In verse 9, he says, uh, the gospel of his son. And this is the gospel, the good news of God. It's the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and the whole world needs to hear this gospel. And this gospel is that the Lord Jesus came, that the Lord Jesus died, that the Lord Jesus was buried, that the Lord Jesus rose according to the scriptures. It's the heart of the gospel. And, and this is the message that God has for, 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 for this world. And, and we owe the world this gospel. Somebody told me, uh, that, I, 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 that touched me, he says, you know, when a person has heard the gospel once, he has no right to hear it twice until everybody has heard it once. And let me just encourage you, because it's tribulous, tri, tribulous, tribulation times, uh, turmoil times in Europe, with all these refugees coming by the thousands and by the thousands. And one day I was watching television and I thought, hmm, shall I think fearfully? No, because perfect love casts out fear. Shall I become a part of the problem? No, I shall become a part of the solution. So the Lord put it in my heart to, to phone those who, dis, you know, who make the Bibles, to buy Bibles. And I went to these, these, these centers where all these refugees come, and, and now it's moving. And we've been giving out thousands and thousands and thousands of Bibles to these, to these Syrian refugees. And most of them are Muslims. And, and, and I remember the first day, it was the day of the sacrifice for the Muslim. It was a feast. But during that feast in Mecca, many Muslims had died because they pushed each other too much. And they'd be throwing stones to a wall to get rid of their sins. I said, listen, I have a book that tells you about the person who will forgive you of all your sins. You don't need to go to Mecca. You don't have to be pushed around. You don't need to throw stones. You just receive him. Want you read about him? Do you want to read about him? Oh, yeah. And this is how it went. And, and most of them said, I never want to go to a mosque anymore. I don't want to be a Muslim anymore. I, I, I am open for a new life, for a new start. And we see Muslims coming to Christ through visions, through the scriptures, 
through, through explanation. And it's very encouraging. Pray, because God is working. He is sovereign. He is sovereign. And, and, and all this movement of nations, let's be a part of the solution and, and see what God wants to do through us in this situation. Because it's the gospel of God. And Paul says in verse 14, that really touches me, uh, I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. He says, I am a debtor. I owe the world this gospel. I shouldn't and I am not keeping it to myself. Because the gospel, in the gospel, is the power of God to change people from sinners to saints. Peter knows me many, many years. The first times I, I spoke in public... I use language that, 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 that should have been refined. And, and God is refining me. And he's continuing to refine me. And I'm so glad that he started a good work. But it's the power of God who is changing us from within. And makes us more like, like Jesus. That's what it's all about. And so we shouldn't be ashamed for this good news. And then he says, and I want to, to continue with this. This is verse 17. The just shall live by faith. Martin Luther uh, was totally changed through this verse. The just shall live by faith. It's from Habakkuk. And, 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 and it's so wonderful to live by faith in the Son of God. And let's just continue now and look at the blessings of justification in chapter 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith. Now, what does it mean to be justified? Uh, just as if I never sinned. That's what I heard people explaining to me. Because, of course, me as a Dutchman, justification, what is this, you know? <laughs> uh, it's a new word to me. But I remember somebody explaining to me this is more than forgiveness. Forgiveness is go, you go to a courtroom, you've done something wrong, but the judge says, well, we forgive you. So you walk out of the courtroom, you are forgiven, but you well know that you've done something wrong. The guilty feelings are still in your heart because you know you did something wrong. You're forgiven, but you still have guilty feelings. Well, justification is you come to the courtroom, you receive forgiveness, but there is no record against you. You look out, you walk out, and they're telling you, you've never done it. You're totally innocent, just as if I never sinned. That's justification. This is wonderful. When, when God looks to me, he doesn't see me as a sinner. He sees his son. He sees me perfect. Isn't that wonderful? If God looks at me, he sees his son. And my position is, I am perfect. Yeah. And this is a wonderful, wonderful position to have. 
Because the war between God and me is over. He said, but I never made a war with God. Well, it says in, in the Psalms that God is angry with the wicked every day. Before I was a believer, God was at war with me. But now, after I have received him as my Lord and Savior, the war is over. The war is over. When he looks at me, he doesn't see sin, no. He sees his son. And this is a wonderful verse, because look at it. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This peace is the word shalom. It means I have maximum harmony with God. The war is over. We are at peace with one another. I have not only the peace with God, I also have the peace of God. And Isaiah says, his peace is perfect. Perfect peace in a restless world. And this is wonderful to have. Actually, you should learn these verses by heart. Let's read it again. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith. Access. Brothers and sisters, access. Here is a Jew writing. And if there was one thing, as he was studying at the feet of Gamaliel, the old covenant, it was constantly no access. No access, no entrance. In, in Exodus 19, 32 and 33, the Lord said, the people have to stay away from the mountain. When the temple was built, there was a veil, and the people couldn't go behind the veil. There was a wall. The Gentiles couldn't go beyond the wall. There was no access, constantly no access. God was far away. But now we have access. The veil torn from top to bottom. The middle wall broken down. We can come into his presence. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, the mediator of the new covenant, we have access. One of the great fruit of the new covenant is that we have access. We can go to him. We are one with him. And this is such a wonderful gift. We have access. And what do we have access to? By faith into this grace. You see, as believers, we live in the environment of grace. And the environment of grace gives you strength to overcome difficulties. I had an aunt. She's gone home to be with the Lord. And when I was a young boy, she lost two of her children. Afterwards, when I came to her, there was this chimney with two pictures of her two boys. And in between, there was this, this plaque of wood. His grace is sufficient. That's faith in working clothes. I mean, there was such a testimony of, for me. I made a picture of it, carried it in my wallet. His grace is sufficient. And this is so important. We have access into his grace. The environment wherein we live is grace. Total forgiveness. Total forgiveness. Total acceptance. Total joy. This is the environment we live in. We don't live under the environment of law, do and you will live. No, you live in the environment of grace. And he gives grace beyond grace, beyond grace. And so this is wonderful. And now I just want to share three 
uh, reasons to, to rejoice. In contradiction to chapter 3, verse 27, where is boasting then? Rejoicing and boasting. The first three chapters, Paul comes to the conclusion, we have nothing to boast about. Paul uh, could boast about his background. A Jew from the tribe of Benjamin, studied at the feet of Gamaliel, but he says in Philippians 3.8, it's all garbage. This is nothing. This is nothing compared to knowing Jesus Christ. And so there is nothing to boast about, not boasting about our money, not boasting about our race, not boasting about our background. No, none of that. But we have something to boast. What shall we boast in? Well, here is the first one. We, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And, and this is so wonderful because uh, this is what we boast in. We boast that the glory of God is not only in us, but we are going to see the glory face to face. When I was thinking about this, 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 this sister who was going to, to die and Linda and me went to visit her, I remember thinking, shall I speak about the joy of seeing her mother again? Because that's not the real issue. The real issue is what joy lies ahead of us. That is in 1 John 3, 2. You know the joy that is ahead of us? The joy that is ahead of us, that we will see him as he is. And that we will be like he is. Totally conformed to his image. Just like Jesus. This is, this is the process we are going to. We shall see him as he is and we shall be like him. And, and this is a wonderful hope. This is something to boast about, to, to glory about. This is my future. One day I will be exactly like him, and one day I will see him as he is. The, the second joy to rejoice in and to boast about, it's something we talked about already this morning. We find this in verse 3 of chapter 5. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. We, we boast or we glory in tribulation. We say, well, that hurts. I don't like tribulations in my life. And yet, uh, this, is, this is investment. It's character building. Uh, we, we are so encouraged by this. We go through storms, all of us. This morning we heard from the brother... Maybe we just come out of a storm or we are in the middle of a storm or you're going into a storm. Storms will come. But they do something with you. You know what storms do in your life? They make you bitter or better. So let the storms make you better, not bitter. Because in Isaiah 63 verse 9, he says, In all their afflictions, I was afflicted. He is with you in the storm. This is so united. This is so wonderful. You are united with the Lord Jesus. So he's a sympathetic high priest. He's 100% man. He understands what you go through. In your affliction, he is afflicted. He is one with you in your tribulation. Jesus died for you and Jesus lives for you. 
So when you go through the tribulation, when you go through difficulties, it will be character building. God had one son without sin, but he had no son without suffering. And he goes ahead of us. And we don't have to suffer as he suffered. But he suffered for you and for me so that we can walk in his footsteps. Look what he says in Romans 5, verse 3. We glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. And, and this is the hope, and we, we live with the God of hope. So kiss your problems. <laughs> Count it all joy. <laughs> oh, we don't like it, right? Well, you don't have to fight against sin as the Lord Jesus did. And so we have a Lord who understands who, who goes ahead of us, and uh, he is with us. He is in our problems, and that's encouraged me. When I read for the first time Isaiah 63, 9, in all your afflictions, he is afflicted. That makes me one with him. He knows. Job says, he knows the way that I take. After he has tested me, I shall come forth as, not gravel, but gold. Amen? Gold. The last one is in chapter 5, verse 11a. <clears throat> what do we read there? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God. Uh, one sign of maturity in 1 John chapter 2, you have the, the young man, the children, the young men, and the fathers of faith, is that we may know him, that we may know God. And this was the longing of Paul, that I may know him, the fellowship of the suffering and, 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 and the power of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, that I may know my God, that I may know his ways. And, and this is so exciting because let's just see how we can know God. We can know him in his love. When I came here, I saw that poster on the window. I said, yes, bingo, <laughs> this is mine. <laughs> Because here it is in, in Romans 5, 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. And this is over there in the window. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Oh, brothers and sisters, we could speak all week about this. But, but, but we glory in God. Because when we were yet without power, when we were without God, when we were against him, he came all the way from heaven and he died for us on the cross. We, we were not his friends. We were his enemies. Now, he did it when we were his enemies. Think it through. How much more can he do for us now that we become his friends, that we are on his side? Much more. And that much more is the rest of the letter. You read it in chapter 6, because you see, as soon as you start to believe, you receive 
the Holy Spirit. But you have to understand that the Holy Spirit is given to you to strengthen you, to show you the Lord Jesus in a new way. And to live in step with the Spirit, this is fantastic. This is not in your own strength. That is his life in you and through you. Corrie ten Boom. Any of you have ever heard of her? Well, she's one of our sisters who has gone home to be with the Lord. And, and, and Peter and Elizabeth and Linda and me, we have been to her home in Harlem. Her father loved the Jewish people and they hit Jewish people during the war. And uh, it all came out and the family had to go to the concentration camp. And Corrie was there with her sister Betsy in one of the concentration camps. And there was a cruel guard. He'd been cruel to her sister. And after the war, of all the nations of the world, God called her back to Germany. And there she was in this little German church. And there she saw that guard. And at the end of the meeting, she was standing, shaking hands with everybody. And the guard came closer and closer. And she had a battle in her heart. You know, a battle. Because she recognized him well. And you know what happened? And that's why it's so good to carry the word of God in your heart. Romans 5.5 5 came back to her. Let's read it together. Romans 5.5. 5. Now hope does not disappoint because what happens? The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was, was, past tense, given to us. The Holy Spirit was given to us. And the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit that the Lord Jesus used here on earth. It's the same Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit shows us God's own love, agape love. And when she remembered that the Holy Spirit was in her heart, that God's love, God's forgiving love is in her heart, she could receive the power of God to shake his hand. And when he says, Ich bin dein Bruder geworden, she could say, I am your sister. You know, and this is so wonderful that we not only have received the Holy Spirit, but we can enjoy the Holy Spirit in our lives. In closing, two months ago, I had a heart attack. That was a new experience to me. <laughs> and uh, I thought that was for other people. But uh, I had one too, so I could add it to my list of stories. <laughs> and um, afterwards, everything is fine now. I mean, you know, more or less. <laughs> uh, I got an open door on the television to speak about the, the school of faith of Abraham and Sarah. And I thought, well, let me go and sleep close to the, to the, to the television station so that I'll be fresh. But that night, it was a very humid, hot night. It was a strange bed. And, and, and the roof was like this, so I thought there's somebody on top of me. I wasn't used to that. When I, when I woke up at night, I didn't sleep at all. And I said, oh, I have to do 13 times half an hour in two days on the television. And it all has to happen in these two days. How can I do it? Brothers and sisters, Luke 12, 12. I experienced the help of the Holy Spirit. And I know that in time of need, he'll be there to help you. 
He was there for Cody. He was there for me. And he'll be there for you. With God, there's no respecter of person. And there's no super saints. But we have a super God. Amen? And our Lord Jesus and his precious blood is there for us every day of the, of the time. Every time of the day. And so he started a good work in us. Please read the letter of Paul to the Romans. May I just thank the Lord for this time together. Father, I thank you so much for this morning. Lord, I thank you so much for the good work that you started in my life. The good work that you started in my wife's life. And the good work that you started with each and everyone here who has received you. Who has made peace with you. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning who has never taken that step, that has never made that decision, I pray that the Holy Spirit will have room to come in and to change from within and to give them hope and a future so that we shall always see each other again. I thank you so much, Lord, that we could give all the glory to you through song and also through this word. In Jesus' name. Amen.